Racer Nation, we are the champions. What a weekend in Evansville. What a championship game. What a team and what a time to be a part of the Racer Nation. Once again, the Racers make history as the first team in conference history to finish 20-0. And for the 18th time in program history, but for the final time, we will represent the Ohio Valley Conference in the NCAA tournament, cementing our legacy as truly the greatest tradition in the OVC. In 1929, the Racers won their first ever conference title. 93 years from that date, the tradition remains the same. The celebration will last all week long, and while history was made, the Racers hold the pen to write an even more exciting next chapter. We are not done yet. My name is Sawyer Lawson. I'm joined by two amazing men, Austin Blakely and Logan Foster, and we welcome you to episode 26 of the Racer Nation podcast. We've dreamed of this episode since we first announced the release of this podcast, and we're so happy that you've joined us. We have a championship to break down and much, much more as we head to the NCAA tournament. Race your fans, break out the John Morant gritty, break out your K.J. Williams dance moves, because we're going dancing. This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. All righty. Thank you, Coach Prome, for the uh, the intro there. Fellas, what a week. What a weekend. Number 18, cutting the nets down in Evansville. Uh, gosh, fellas, I had so much fun. Uh, so much fun with you guys there. And what a weekend. What a weekend to be a racer fan. So much fun. Like Sawyer said, the 18th conference tournament championship uh, in the OVC. And the last last one so crazy uh, we have a lot to talk about you know we got to break down our saturday as a whole as a lot of you were there we appreciate it we did our first live show which was uh an experience i guess so luckily we are here for episode 26 uh, we didn't get canceled on saturday so you know congrats to us i guess we can kind of you know pat ourselves on the back for that but uh just what a day saturday uh logan i know you had a very up and down day and uh, we can get into it a little bit more if you want, but uh, just uh, proud to see you've uh, you've recovered. It's now Wednesday night, and uh, you're you're ready to go record episode 26 of the podcast. You know, going into the live podcast, I was for certain that I was going to be booed off the stage, or uh, people would laugh at me for saying something stupid. I don't think either one of those things happened, so. Uh, Saturday, as much as I was dreading the live show, to be quite honest with you, went really well. You guys carried the load, as well as having uh, Miss Carrie and, and Dr. Bob Jackson on there that were phenomenal for us. They were so easy to talk to and, and were great guests, so we're very thankful for them. And then moving on later to the night, uh, watching the racers, hard-fought victory. Just doesn't get any better. Going out of the OVC on top once and for all. Well, you talk about the day Saturday, and I think we've got to break it down a little bit more on what an up and down day it was for, for all of us. And, uh, you know, we're feeling good. We all, I think all three of us make our trek over to, well, Logan, you were staying there over to the trop, over to the sports book area. And, uh, you know, I play golf, played a little golf uh, Saturday morning, got that out of my system. It was such a beautiful day. Uh, no doubt. And I think that was one reason such a big turnout for racer fans. So play golf, come home, take a shower or where I was staying at, uh, go and eat lunch, walk in the sports book to uh, make my bet. Who's the first person I see there? None other than Dan Foster. So spirits were high right off the bat. He goes, I was like, where's Logan at? He goes, oh, Logan and the girls, they went and ate lunch. I said, I'm staying here and just making money. He's like, and it's been a good day, boys. <laughs> he goes, I've made enough money to pay for many, many lunches for those guys. <laughs> I said, okay, we're feeling good. We're feeling good. So make our bets, chill out at the at the sports book for a little bit, do all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, make our way over to the pregame show. And we get there at 4 o'clock. So, you know, we're talking three and a half hours before game time. They're already, like, poured out into the streets. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, like how many people are going to be in this place? And you as soon guys as got there, you guys got there at four o'clock. <laughs> true, true. That was uh, we thought Logan was going to pull an Elijah Farr on us and you know just not show up for the rest of the season. And uh, luckily, I mean, I think we started at five. It was maybe four fifty-nine. 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It, it was probably closer to 4.30. Uh, we see the whole foster crew come through the door, and I'm thinking, thank goodness. Thank goodness Logan shows up here. So uh, as, as, bad as, he was, as, as bad as he was feeling, he still showed up for us. But just a tremendous crowd altogether. And sorry, I'll let you talk a little bit about the atmosphere there. But before we get any farther talking about the live podcast and kind of breaking that down, we've got to thank the man that made it all happen. David Moss from the Alumni Association, he did it all. He contacted us. He made sure everything was good to go. He worked with the bar, the the guy who owns the bar. They had their own sound system we were able to use. He brought all kinds of cables and backup equipment and everything. So, David Moss, I know you're listening to this. Thank you, sir. We very much appreciate all your hard work and making it happen because I think it made a lot of people happy and got a lot of people from Racer Nation fired up. So, a lot of people there, Sawyer. Yeah, I think I got there um, first ahead, a little bit ahead of you guys. And when I saw that the crowd was already out the door when the taxi dropped us off, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> a little bit nervous. But I was also excited at the same time. Uh, when I busted in the door, the uh, the crowd was rowdy and they were watching a lot of different uh, basketball games going on and were having a fantastic time and settled in really, really quick. Uh, and it, it was it was it was awesome to see. And a lot of those people said they were there for us, and that was that was really unique and really really a cool thing. And hopefully we didn't let you guys down. And I think everybody had a pretty good time. Um, but once again, Austin, hats off to to David Moss. Um, really set us up for success. Made it to where it was very very minimal effort on our part to uh, to be able to make it uh, to make it work. And that's you know that's one of the keys to success for us having a lot of fun on Saturday was that we walked in, plugged in, and we were ready to roll. Yeah, for sure, Sawyer. So thanks to him and the Alumni Association. Uh, Carrie McGinnis was awesome. You know, just the five minutes, ten minutes she talked to us, you could tell she's great at her job in networking and and getting the alumni fired up. And and of course, I mean, we got to talk Dr. Bob Jackson. I mean, he's the man when it comes to Murray State University. And like, he was just so easy to talk to. And Sawyer and I got to talk to him. You know, probably three minutes before we hopped on the stage and. He was like, whatever you want to ask me, you'll go for it. So he was so receptive. And and Logan, you know, you got to ask him a pretty cool question. And, you know, like you said, he gave you a better answer than the last than the last guy. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised whenever I said it, got a reaction from the crowd. So for those that weren't there and those that haven't listened uh, to the live podcast, I asked Dr. Bob Jackson about the possibility of playing one game per year in Racer Arena. If you think back to when we did our saw selection of if you were an AD for a day, what would you do? That was mine. I've always wanted to uh, go to a game there. Um, Haven't been since I was a baby and I was kind of too young to take in what Racer Nation uh, really brought to Racer Arena. So I would like to live one of those games. Um, Going back a few years, I asked, Uh, then president Dr. Bob Davies and he basically just looked at me like no absolutely not that's a huge parking issue and uh, we just couldn't make it happen well Dr. Bob Jackson he didn't exactly shut me down he he didn't say that it was going to happen but uh, maybe we can have him on again kind of you know persuade him a little bit more because I think everybody in racer nation wants to see that happen. Absolutely. And I think that that that's one of the reasons that sets Dr. Jackson apart and makes him the perfect president for Murray state is that number one, the reason why he didn't want to shut you down is because he had been to many, many games in racer arena and he knew how awesome the atmosphere was. And like you said, I think he said he would have been season ticket holder since the mid eighties. Um, so his passion for the university, for all those memories and those moments, that's what makes him the perfect president for Murray State. And I hope he never leaves. Um, and, and just, you know, he didn't give you a straight answer, but just hearing his answer knew that he put a lot of thought into it. His passion was there. And, you know, if he could make it happen, it sounded like he probably could. He probably would. Yeah. And so we put out a Facebook post last week. Luckily, one of our listeners that we've gotten to meet uh, through the podcast, Ryan Vale, reached out to us and said, I'll give two tickets to anybody that's, you know, thinking about going to the game. If they're on the fence about it, here's their incentive to go. And so we put a question on Facebook saying, you know, you can win these tickets if you share your favorite racer memory. And a lot of people's 
came from Racer Arena. And so it's just the the golden years of of Murray State basketball. Everybody talks about the glory days and how um, over capacity that that gym was, how loud and great of an environment it was. So uh, just something that, you know, us younger fans would like to experience at least once a year. And here's the deal, guys. You know, the more the fans keep asking for it, the better chance it has of happening. You know, think about it. We Fans asked for the Missouri Valley for a long time. What happened? Look where we're at going. You know, look where we're at now. And then you've got the three of us just leading the charge, being the voice of the fans. I mean, that's, uh, that's just going to put the ball in their court. Uh, we've got the great relationship with Dr. Jackson, as you know, you guys heard on the podcast. Uh, made a made the relationship uh, with Kevin Saul this weekend, the athletic director. So he's going to be on the show. I can promise you that uh, in the future, maybe hopefully this season. Uh, so we're going to have. I mean, we've already got the questions mixed up for him. So we we're set up. We're going to tell him Dr. Jackson didn't say no, and just let him run with it. So we're in the perfect position to make this happen. Logan, you made an awesome point about how on the. On the podcast, we are guys who just strictly think big, <laughs> and we're not necessarily the logistics guys. And you know, Lindy Suter on his show back in the day, you know, really started that uh, sensation among racer fans as far as the thinking big, and and that's what we do. That's honestly why we are here is because we are are thinking big, and we thought this might be a, a media space that fans would enjoy and would be able to unite all of our fans. So, uh, you know, th- these ideas are what separate us from every other team every other university that's sitting in our shoes now and you know ideas maybe not th- directly this one but ideas like this one are what can pro- propel us to uh, a status to where we're no longer considered uh, a mid-major or a low major program so the so the podcast was awesome the live show i guess um and then we post-produced it for a podcast it was really fun like we said we appreciate everyone who came out for us we know a lot of people were there for the racers. Everybody was there. We were there for the racers, but um, just the interactions from the crowd, uh, seeing a lot of familiar faces was awesome. Seeing a lot of new faces was really cool, too, and um, hopefully we picked up some new listeners. But I think it got everybody fired up. We timed it about perfect to just lead right into the racer band and the cheerleaders and then the game. So um, like I just mentioned, on my way uh, back from the podcast over to the arena, um, I got to meet athletic director Kevin Saul, and and from a stance, uh, from a fan standpoint, uh, you know you don't know what you're gonna get. This man is the 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 highest guy in the athletic department. You know, we just came off of talking from doctor with Dr. Jackson, the the highest man in the university, and then uh, I actually uh, Sawyer and I talked to a board of regent director Eric Krigler for probably. 10 or 15 minutes after the podcast as well. And this is all just clicking with me right now. We talked to like the three highest people in, in terms of athletics, which is kind of crazy, you know, like we said, and, and that's what you, the fans have allowed us to do. I mean, five months ago, we were just three random guys who like watched every single Murray State basketball game. And, and this platform that you guys have afforded us has been really, really cool. And, and that's why, that's what drives us to keep, you know, doing this stuff and, and me just going up and introducing myself to to Mr. Saul. And so awesome guy for sure. So personable. That's what I wanted to say on the podcast is uh, not everybody gets to talk to him. And I just went up on a whim and introduced myself. And uh, that's why I just wanted to relay like how cool of a guy he was and, and how much he has this university, this athletic department, the success in the forefront of his mind. And so that's why I just wanted to relay that. So Pretty much uh, locked him down for a future interview. So hopefully, from a fan perspective, inter- interviewing someone from the administration is going to be really cool. All right, enough of our pregame antics. Let's let's talk a little bit racer basketball. What you guys are here for? Hopefully, you've made it this far in the podcast without turning us off, but uh, making it into the uh, into the Ford Center. What an awesome atmosphere! Just blue and gold, blue and gold, blue and gold as far as the eye could see. And uh, well, before I forget it. Uh, we did play a game Friday night, and we're not going to recap it here. If you do want to hear that recap, we talked a lot about the SEMO game on the in-person live podcast, which I did post um, to Apple, Spotify, all the places you guys normally get it. So if you do want to go listen to that podcast, it's right there for you guys to listen to. 
Yeah, but it's only Wednesday, and you know, we all three of us have been absolutely blown away by the amount of listens that that's gotten. Um, our audience seems like it has just grown exponentially over the past few weeks, and for for a large part, the people who normally listen to our podcast were in there in person, so they didn't really have a, a great reason to go back and re-listen. Um, but the numbers for for that release have been just as good as all the others, so that really means a lot to us. We really really appreciate that, and uh, just keeps us fired up to continue to bring hopefully a great racer basketball content for you guys that you will all enjoy. For sure, Sawyer. And so let's get into that championship game. Uh, got the Moorhead State Eagles. We knew it would be tough, uh, kind of like we all said last week on the podcast. Uh, we knew that, or we all had a thought that we would rather match up with Belmont. I thought us as a team matched up a lot better. Um, we as a team matched up a lot better, just our depth, our size, but mainly our athleticism. Because there's one thing about Moorhead, they've got some ball players and they're athletic. And that's one thing, they've got some length at the guard position. But can we go any further? I know this is a racer basketball podcast, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Can we go any further without talking about Mr. Janai Broom? Janai Broom was fantastic. There's no other way to put it. If you follow college basketball, and more specifically the OVC, you know how good of a player he is. Um, from a stats category, he's he's near the top um, in our league in just about everything for, for a big man standpoint. He's third nationally and blocks per game only behind uh, Walker Kessler who we've seen from Auburn and uh, Jamarion Sharp who's actually from Hopkinsville seven foot five plays for Western Kentucky so uh, being third behind those two guys not uh not a bad thing so he showed uh he showed Saturday why he was picked to be the preseason player of the year to be honest he kind of pumped KJ um, the, it was just Janai's game. And the one thing, though, is it takes five players on a basketball court. It's not just one. And so you look at Moorhead, they have guys like Jake Wolf play 30 minutes, score three points, two turnovers. The racers, on the other hand, we pick up KJ. Tevin has 23 points. Juice has 21. Trey has eight off the bench. Just about everybody really contributed on the uh, rebounding front. And so we handled our business. Um, Janai's teammates just didn't really pick him up Saturday night. I can't go any farther without – Logan, did you bring stats to this podcast? I feel like I need to be prepared just after <laughs> Saturday. Everybody watched uh, you guys just totally outwork me and outprepare me. And um, we talked about this. Uh, I think it was in Evansville about how when you're in that environment, it's kind of hard when there's so many racer fans and you're talking to people around you, it's kind of hard to realize what all's going on. And sometimes you lose track of what's going on on the court. Um, and so I think I was so immersed in the game Saturday that I, it was kind of like a blur to me. And so I figured I should pull up the stat sheet just to kind of re uh, engage my brain to see, what exactly happened and uh yeah so i i remember jake wolf was terrible though uh, <laughs> as always so that checks out <laughs> that's so funny logan uh, no, we did have that conversation can't confirm or confirm or deny that we remember it post game but we did talk about how it's so tough when you're like in the game and uh as fans at least the three of us we get so locked in and you hear the players talk about this all the time. You get so locked in, you almost like just black out during the game. And not saying I was as locked in as Tevin Brown. There's no doubt about that. But you do kind of forget like play by play everything that happened. And I was thinking about this on the way home Sunday. And I was like, I was so ready to get home Sunday and rewatch the game to like really think about exactly how it happened. And so that was, you're exactly right. That's really cool. So uh, props, Logan, for, for bringing the stats. That's That's awesome. 26 episodes in <laughs> you're exactly right though uh broom has a huge game 32 and nine and eight drew nine fouls crazy took 11 free throws only hit six of them they have been the downfall for Moorhead. their free throw shooting but then you got a guy like skylar potter who's been good for them all year zero points zero and i know he got in a little foul trouble like you said jake wolf with three 
Uh, Taylon and and Trey Hollowell both have decent games. Trey scored nine of his in the last what minute twelve of the game, so he wasn't really an impact player. But you know, Moorhead shoots fifty three percent, sorry, fifty six percent from the field in the first half, and we're tied with him at halftime. So sorry, I think you know when you give up fifty six percent of the as the racers, we shoot thirty three percent. Granted, knock down three more threes than they do. I think looking back at that game, what a hot start. What a terrible next, I don't know what, eight minutes or so. We had to be we had to be super thankful to be tied at halftime. Yep, there's no doubt about it. Um, one of the stats that I thought was really interesting that I was able to dig up um, is that when we played Moorhead at home at the half, we were up by five. When we played them on the road at the half, we were down by four. And the championship neutral site, we were tied at the half. Two teams that, for all intents and purposes, you know, when they played each other, were so even across the board. Um, I hope that Moorhead, uh, since we're leaving their conference, I hope they continue to do well. And, you know, I think this is a team that's solid. They were on a similar trajectory as the Racers when we've met up the first time at the CFSB Center. I think they were riding the longest win streak in the nation or home win streak in the nation. Um, and we, we've knocked them off. Who's to say they don't knock us off and they have the similar type of rest of the season that we have? Um, so, obviously, uh, a tremendous team. I hope they have. I hope they actually get to play some in the postseason, whether it be the the CIT or CBI or whatever postseason tournament it is, because they're a fantastic team. But, but yeah, Austin, it was it was great to see that we were able to still hang in there. Um, we talked about it pregame uh, in the live episode. We knew those guys who were the X factors for us, not the necessarily the starters, the guys who played who come off the bench, who, who played those uh, substitutions minutes, uh, would be key tonight. And that is ha- who we have to hang our hat on for keeping us in the game whenever it started to get a little bit out of reach. And that's all on the back of Daquan Smith and Carter Collins. Three for three from those guys from three in the first half. It kept us in the game. Um, not only that, but their lockdown defense. Uh, when, I, when we saw that first three go in uh, down in the corner from Daquan, Austin went over, slapped me on the side, and was like, there you go. There's your there's your boy. There's Holly Springs, Daquan Smith. That's what I've been calling for for the longest time. And once we saw the first one go in, um, it, it was great to see that that he was able to continue that and, and to, to bring us back into the game. Because without those two guys making those three threes, it's a totally different ball game. Um, and Daquan Smith played crucial minutes in the second half. And we'll talk about he might have had the unsung play of the game uh that or part of the play of the game that we uh, not a lot of fans may not have noticed that we'll talk about down the road but uh that was the key um to keeping us in it in the first half daquan knocks those two huge threes in off the bench you look at the plus minus guys second on the team and plus nine and talk about crucial minutes you know so you, you talked about all year your boy carter collins making the crucial shot in the ovc tournament game i i will say he did that i mean he had a crucial three at a crucial time when we had nothing going on the offensive end. So, you know, you can check that box. I'll, I'll give it to you. Awesome. That's pretty generous that you're going to give that one to me, uh, but I'll take it. Um, but I do think that the racers I mean, in the first half were still there. Um, did not expect the defense that they were uh, receiving from Moorhead. Um, you know, when I, when they first started coming out, I noticed that, you know, when we jumped out to the 12-2 lead, they didn't have Broom on KJ. And I thought, you know, if he's looking to go professionally, it's going to look really bad they don't have him on KJ in this game where it's like mono a mono, you know, the two top premier guys. But Preston Spradlin knew what he was doing. Uh, allowing them to have the smaller guard um, on KJ to really try to deny everything. But once he got the ball, have Broom come and help off of DJ, that was a tremendous um, defensive uh, strategy that really paid off for them. And I think, you know, we, th- we saw it a little bit. There was a little bit of miscommunication between the racers and trying to get things handled. And it took them a little bit to get it settled down. But uh, thankfully, in the second half, we were able to, to settle down and really play our style of basketball. Yeah, let's go ahead and transition to that second half. And uh, there for a while, Moorhead had stuff rolling, and then the rolling actually did occur with Janai Broom's ankle right there about the 18-minute mark. And it's funny, like, to me, you think something like that happened so late in the second half. Uh, we talked about then going back and watching it, and it's like, oh, man, that happened like a minute and a half into the second half. But uh, as superheroes do, about a minute and a half later, he comes back off the bench, uh, which was which was crazy, and proceeds to end up with, with 32 points. 
very impressive. But like Logan said, it's it's not a one-man game. There's five players on the court. And the second half was all about another two players on the racer's side, number one being Tevin Brown, who played all 40 minutes of the basketball game. And then the savior, the MVP of the tournament, it became the Juice Hill Show. Absolutely, Austin. I think the first place we have to start is Juice. And when you think about his journey as a racer, you know, what a story. A guy who comes off the bench in the OVC tournament last year to tournament MVP. There's no doubt about it. He's the He was the best guard in our league, hands down. And that's against a guy who was preseason player of the year in Grayson Murphy, um, who had been a premier guard for the past four years in the conference. And Juice going from, from where he was last year, he put in the work this summer. It's been well documented. We've We've covered it, but it's still it's just a testament to show you that that work that you put in in those summer years, the dog days of summer, impacts what happens in March. And that was so awesome to see. Uh, He really took the game over, like you said, put the team on his back. He and Tevin, his ability to drive and get into the paint and create um, was really the one piece of consistency we had in our offense down the stretch and uh, which really played out to be key for us. Um, and, and Tevin just all around laying his body on the line, bleeding, bruised, found every single way to get it done. That grit and that determination is what being a racer is all about. Oh, for sure. You can tell that dude's played a lot of basketball on the playground because we watched him take that fall at Tennessee State. I probably would have been out for the year. Uh, you see him take that one on Saturday. And he gets up limping. There was no question as to whether he was coming out of the game or not. Dude's just got so much heart. He's got so much uh, will to win that you can't measure it. Uh, if he goes to the, the draft combine, you're not going to see that show up on any of their, their papers that they have or, or their measurements. But watching the tape of him, it's just so impressive. That's why he's one of my favorite racers we've ever had, just – He's he's got that will to win, and it's a win at all costs uh, mentality. In terms of juice and what he's done for us this season, something that's always going to stick out to me is think back to that Memphis game. He takes a risky three, same thing at Semo, and he hits him. Last year, that was not Juice Hill. He wasn't hitting mid-range jumpers. And now he's shooting from anywhere on the court. He's getting to his spots and he defers when he needs to defer. And whenever he needs to step up, he steps up. So just so big having him this year. It's crazy that, like you said, Sawyer goes from being on the bench last year to being the uh, conference tournament MVP when he's got the best wing and the best big man on his team. And he comes out plays phenomenal Friday and Saturday night and really just gave us the boost we needed to get the dub. Absolutely. Logan, that just, that just really talks about, you know, our balance as a team. That's one thing that I wanted to highlight when we were talking about the second half, you've got guys that every night we know can go off Tevin KJ juice every night. We know two of two of those guys are going to, going to go off. And what does KJ do? If he doesn't have it offensively, he goes and grabs 10 rebounds. DJ Burns, nine, five of them offensive. Trey, eight points and six rebounds. Nick McMullen, did you guys notice this? Four minutes, four rebounds, two blocks. Every play mattered. And that's just hats off to the coaching for coaching, man. I want to really dive into that later. But while we're staying in, in, in the game and what happened on the court, um, those were some huge keys to start us going in the right direction in the second half. You brought up rebounding there from – Nick and and KJ. If you listen to the pregame podcast, if you go back and listen to it, I said our keys to the game were to play good defense, which we did. We held them under 70. That's a win. We're going to win many games when we hold our opponents under 70 points. We rebound at least 35% of our misses, an offensive rebounding clip of 35%, and we excel in points in the paint. All right, let's look at those stats. We hold them under 70. Perfect. 67 points. Points in the paint. Kind of hard when you have their big man go off for 32. They end up with 32 points in the paint. 28 for us. Pretty solid. So I'll give us a, you know, four points. That's a wash. Rebounding. Holy cow. 47 to 31 on the rebounding edge. 18 
offensive rebounds for the Racers, 18 to 6. That's like 46, 48% rebounding percentage, offensive rebounding percentage. So couple that with SEMO. How do you win conference tournaments? You go two games and rebound 50% of your misses on average. Holy cow, talk about extra possessions. That led us to, even though we had more turnovers than they did, we took nine more shots than they did in the field from the field. And even though we shot a 10% less percentage less percentage points than they did, 48 to 38, they still only made two more field goals because of that. And that's because we rebounded 18 off, offensive times, and that allowed that to, even though that made up for our low field goal percentage. I mean, you look in a championship game where you shoot 39% on layups and dunks, that's usually not going to win you very many games. But when you have offensive rebounding stats like that, that balances out, balances it out, and has you cut down those nets that you just rebounded off of. And this team doesn't have a Popeye Jones, a guy who's going to get 15 rebounds a game, 18 rebounds a game like Dick Cunningham back in the day. It all talks about, that just speaks to the unselfishness and the determination of this team. And that's why we've fallen in love with this team. Um, you know, they have, they have stars, but they have guys who just truly know their role. And also, like you mentioned, in a game that's so razor thin, to win the second chance battle 16 to 7 is huge. Those points were massively important. And that, that's what's so exciting about this team. Talk about the balance. Again, another perfect example. And, you know, another perfect example is is our fast break points. You know, we win that battle again 12 to 3, really dominating, keeping keeping teams from from scoring in transition and, and getting easy baskets. That's the greatest part about this team's defense and their balance is that they don't allow any easy baskets. Now, Moorhead did get a couple where the 50-50 balls down low were getting batted around. They got a couple easy putbacks. But when you're not scoring in transition – in basketball, a game that's all about rhythm and runs, uh, keeping them from running, from running and scoring in transition was another phenomenal piece for the racers. It's a stat that we've been harping on that has has been consistent. That should be a stat that should be have total ebbs and flows throughout the season. But having that consistency has to be uh, something that a lot of basketball analysts will look at and be incredibly imp- impressed by. And that's just the thing we talk about that that travels and what makes this team so dangerous, especially like if you're watching the selection show on Sunday and, and your opponent pops up as hopefully the number six or seven seed Murray State, and you're like, okay, let's dive into the racers. Wow, they rebound at a, I don't know, probably on the year, don't quote me on this, but a 40-plus percent offensive rebounding clip, I would have to say, that that's got to scare you. Because that's something you see a lot of, a lot of championship winning teams do. They don't get easy buckets in transition, and that's what makes us. I mean, that's why we're twenty and 0. 20 and zero guys. Never been done. No team in the history has ever won the conference. Have gone undefeated, but from the regular and conference uh, championships. Twenty and 0. Un freaking believable. Sorry, you talked about coaching and you want to dive into that uh, I can distinctly remember uh, the last three minutes of the game during those timeouts you had turned to me you said this is where the coach of the year has to step up this is the coach of the year time and time after time he delivered especially on that fouling on the you know three that's a huge call right there that kind of saved our butts honestly because Trey Hollowell was probably going to make another turnaround three yeah, that was huge, and it's it's going to be a textbook example that coaches from all across the country look at because I think there was 7.4, 7.8 seconds to go. Juice puts tremendous pressure on uh, on on uh, Cooper, bringing it up the floor. Not only did he foul perfectly timed, he almost came up with a steal. I mean, it was a textbook example of 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 how you how you work that down the down the stretch. And when you pair that with Juice almost being able to come up with the steal, it's a it was a win win situation and. And, you know, also when you're pairing that with with Juice knew exactly what to do. Uh, that was something that they had, had talked about for a while. Um, and, and he was ready to go when that time happened. Austin, it, w- it wasn't just that, too. You know, you, you look a little bit ahead of that, uh, a little bit past that, and where the racers have the ball on in the inbounds underneath. Um, you know, I reached over to you and I was like, hey, this is what I think is about to happen. They're going to have Tevin bringing the ball or having the ball out of bounds, have Trey come and 
come and catch it, throw it back into Tevin where he gets fouled. And we've seen that plenty of times before this season, and they, they worked that flawlessly. They didn't have anybody guarding the ball. Tevin was able to get free and get fouled and go knock down um, those shots. So uh, on the X's and O's, that was that was crucial down the stretch to making sure um, that the racers were able to secure the victory because, you know, a few weeks ago, um, when we played SEMO on the road, there were a few lapses. Um, so being able to see that we corrected that was massive um, to being able to pull off the win on Saturday. Another piece of, of the coaching that I think was that has to be discussed is what happened on one of the Murray State all-time historic defensive plays that we'll ever have in program history. And that's Tevin Brown coming up with a huge block to seal the deal. Um Previously, uh, Austin, as you mentioned, Skylar Potter was not able to get hardly anything in the first half. Well, that's because he had number 10, Tevin Brown, locking him up. The reason why Holloway hit that three at the top of the key to kind of get it to be a little bit of a closer game down the stretch is that he had juice on him. Now, juice played tremendous defense, but his height was just a little bit a bit, a bit away from keeping him from being able to get a, get a piece of his shot, which, you know, credit to Holloway, he was able to throw in the basket. Now, and that's where the coaching came into it. In that last stretch, they ran the exact same play, but they switched. They had uh, Juice Garden, the other player, and Tevin Garden Hollowell, which he came up with a block. But that's the piece I want to talk about with Daquan Smith. Go back and watch that play. Daquan Smith fights through a double team to get to his man coming around the screen. If he if he wasn't able to get through, Tevin has to rotate down, and that three at the top is wide open for Hollowell. Daquan fighting through it's that determination and grit that you know you're not going to see that in the box score and and quite frankly probably a lot of our fans didn't even know what happened but if that does not happen the racers may not win the basketball game and it's just our guys and the coaching to know that all those important plays matter is what separates a coach of the year from everybody else and separates our program from the rest guys i know you guys were so excited i had austin right next to me during the block logan i had you right above me I thought you were about to fall over the ledge coming from the from the box up there. Talk about your excitement from that play, all the ins and outs of it, and why that's going to be one of the all-time highlights defensively for Racer basketball from here until long after we're gone. It was an iconic block, really. Who could forget? Um, something that Racer fans are going to be able to remember for a long time. And, you know, if you're a player, you're fighting over that screen. It's last play of the game uh, potentially for Moorhead and what's coach McMahon telling them don't foul a jump shooter don't send them to the line for three free throws well at that point you just got to trust Tevin Brown his instincts and his defensive abilities um, he's a capable enough player to where he can jump and and contest a shot without fouling and and that's what he did and He's uh he's ended up in the the record books and, and walking away from Murray State with four rings because of it. Yeah, you talk about those four rings, Logan, and just the consummate winner he is. I saw a a stat in the last five years, which is I guess he's been on campus counting his redshirt year five five years. They 121 wins, just pretty crazy. That's a that's a lot of freaking wins for for one basketball player. Just so impressive and. Uh, you know, just the end of that game was so so crazy. You think it was about three, four minutes to go. The racers have in the bag. We get up six. And we're like, all right, we're up six. The minus seven crowd's looking pretty good. They, they might fall, start fouling right here. I'm feeling pretty good about it. And then, gosh, I mean, talk about flashbacks. I mean, the, the dude banks in a three-double team. We're like, gosh, Trey Hollowell, what are we doing here? 2015 flashbacks, but – Luckily, this time, Racers knocked down enough free throws, just the, the will to win. The two seniors, well, the two academic seniors who probably are not going to come back next year, but knocked down the free throws to seal the game, Tevin and KJ, and just everybody does their part. And, and that's what I think makes this team so special. And and the postgame celebration was one for the record books, and everyone's so excited. Uh, I challenge you to go back and watch uh, – you know, KJ gets fouled with two minutes to go or two seconds to go from the push in the back by Broom. Proud they called that, didn't swallow their whistle there. First, first off, it was an obvious extended both arms, but the, you know, the the boys in stripes were, you know, we didn't have 
O'Kelly Davis, but we might as well should have because we'll talk about inconsistencies in the second half and missed walks and, and just a lot of missed calls. But anyways, I told myself I wouldn't get on that high horse during this podcast, but KJ goes down and it makes the first free throw and just watching the bench was pretty incredible. Before the second free throw goes up, DJ Burns is like behind the bench just yelling and rap. I don't know what he was doing. He was dancing. Carter Collins gets back there, jumps over the bench, and they're just they're already celebrating before the second free throws even shot. It was it was really cool. So go back and watch that uh, while you're watching Sawyer's play of Daquan fighting through the the double screen. But uh, just just awesome. And the, the jubilation post game, the the crowd incredible. 6,400, at least 61, 62 were racer fans, uh, which was pretty, I mean, just unbelievable crowd. So fun. The team loved it. The coaching staff loved it. Uh, it was just uh, an all-time atmosphere that I'll, I'll never forget being our last last OVC championship. Just really blessed that, you know, all three of us were there together in the crowd uh, to witness it. Yeah, Austin, how about Racer Nation? Man, they showed up and showed out. You know, big-time fans come to big-time games and make big-time impacts. And that's what our fans did. You talk about 6,300 uh, racer fans being in there. There might as well not have been any Moorhead fans uh, because we're all wearing the same gear. Uh, it all said MSU across the front. So uh, it w- looked like it was nothing but racer fans and truly provided that impact down the stretch that we're able to push the racers across the finish line. And you know, I was watching a little bit of Mar- Arch Madness this weekend, and there's no doubt that we can do the same thing we did in Evansville up in St. Louis. So it was so much fun, like you said, but uh, the future is even brighter for this racer program, and i uh, so glad everyone had such an awesome time. Absolutely, and I had friends that came for their first time to an OVC tournament this weekend and afterwards asked them, what did you think about that? And they said – they had a blast and can't wait to go next year. So this team, uh, not just getting us excited, uh, the the diehard fans, but bringing people in that are going to be compelled to go next year and support further uh, racer teams. And one thing that I wanted to touch on before we move away from the Moorhead game was that after the game, I thought it was so cool how everybody was celebrating and KJ runs straight to Janai Broom kind of picks him up off the court and, and gives him a hug. And, you know, in the first game at Murray, they were talking trash every possession, uh, kind of the same thing at Moorhead. And it was just a hard-fought uh, series between these two teams. Um, the margin of victory, I think, between the, the three games was less than, what, 20 points. And um, so – just cool to see the respect there. And I actually ran into Janai's parents at the casino um, at who knows what hour uh, after we were celebrating on Saturday night. And uh, they were probably thinking, this idiot, can he please get away from us? Because all I kept telling them was how much of a pro their son was and how outstanding uh, of a player just on both ends of the court he was and how he's going to do great at the next level. Um, hopefully he just moves conferences and goes from the OVC to the Missouri Valley to an, another MSU team, but uh, not named Missouri State. But anyways, uh, just wanted to give them a shout out. They were super friendly and super nice. Um, really appreciate them not uh, just walking away from me um, in, in the state that I was in. So uh, super cool to talk to them. and. And great to see KJ being such a good sport. That's awesome, Logan. I love those stories like that. You always find yourself in the perfect situation to have incredible encounters with so many different fun and exciting people. So that was really cool. The last thing that I want to talk about with you guys before we move on is uh, just this team, you know, has been so special. And, and, And I think we need to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff as well, because, you know, the race racer team had zero respect across the league. They didn't get picked to finish first by anyone. They got zero respect from all the other athletic departments or most of the athletic departments. Uh, you know, whether it was a preseason voting or the way that we saw what we saw from P and CMO at the, you know, the horrible interactions we had with them this year. They had a target on their back all season long, you know, for a multitude of reasons. It was our last season in the OVC. Perfect record. We had some stars in Tevin and KJ. And to go undefeated is just an 
absolute incredible accomplishment, you know, on the court and off the court. Uh, for these coaches to keep these players grounded and hungry and uh, and keep them on track throughout the whole season, absolutely locked in, that's a hard job to do. These are 18 to 23-year-old kids, and, and being able to do that is just absolutely sensational. You look at Coach McMahon, you know, and he is the second coach in Murray State history to take three teams to the NCAA tournament, tying Steve Newton. You know, we don't talk about it a lot from last year because, you know, we don't talk a lot about last year because, you know, the success we're concerned about is in the future. Um, but it didn't go the way we wanted. And to go from where we were last year and to have, for the most part, pretty minimal roster turnover and just the 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 development of the players we had to go from where we were last year to where we are this year is a true testament to the leadership of our program. And in my opinion, Coach McMahon should be in the conversation for National Coach of the Year uh, when you consider where we were last year to where we are today and just all those things together really made me feel great about the leadership within our program and knowing that our program is destined for so many better things, whether it be the coaching staff, the personnel, the development, the engagement from our fans is getting back to where it was whenever Jaw was in school and even before that. So uh, that's what's got me extremely fired up for not only what's about to happen with the NCAA tournament, but for next year and the next few years to come. So this thing is going to keep growing. Yeah, if I was one of those preseason voters, I would have put the racers third as well. Uh, looking at who Belmont had coming back, they vastly underperformed this year, in my opinion. Uh, I thought they were going to be a, a great team, possibly a top 25 team. And then Moorhead bringing back Broom, of course, and and Skylar Potter to Lon Cooper. You, you know, you just think that they could make it back to the NCAA tournament. And after what we watched last year, you see uh, Chico leave, um, and he's he gave us a big spark in the scoring department. Uh, when Tevin struggled, Chico picked us up. Um, losing DeMond and, and getting the six-foot-six guy from Southern and DJ Burns to replace him, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. Um, but hats off to the coaching staff. They knew what they were doing. And not only to bring in good guys and to develop the guys over the summer that stayed, but to make sure you got high character guys that could fit in the program and gel well together. This has been a team that it, which it's easier when you're winning 30 games a year uh, to have fun. But these guys just seem like they're going to be lifelong best friends because of how much they enjoy uh, playing with each other on the court and, and interacting on the bench and pregame warmups and, and starting lineups. They have so much fun. So uh, really fun to see. It's a, a racer team that we're going to be talking about along with the, the 2012 team and the 2010 team. So just amazing that we're in the midst of that right now. Yeah, very well said, Logan. This is how you build a program. And our program has been built on the backs of so many people through many years. But this is how you take that next step. And uh, the memories that the, all the students that ha have, you know, come into these games and come into the come into the OVC tournament, those are going to stick around. So next year, that's going to be even more enhanced. And just everything about our program, you know, even, you know, some crazy guy started a podcast, you know, that's that's helping in ways, too. So, uh, you know, everything is trajectory in the, in the positive direction, completely opposite from last year and a true testament to all the leadership involved from Dr. Jackson to Kevin Saul to Coach McMahon and, and, and all the way down to the student managers and players. So, uh, so excited for the future of racer basketball. You guys have made some great points and I, hopefully I do justice in building off of this and don't, don't mess this up. But Logan, what you said about having fun, I was listening to, to McMahon talk today and, and he was, he was speaking about uh, the culture of the program. And he's like, you know, the, the word culture gets thrown around so much and, that's not just in basketball, college basketball. That's uh, in your personal life or your professional life or whatever it may be. Songs. Yeah, exactly. And so he was talking about uh, how they have five pillars of success, I believe is what he said, but essentially five pillars to build build their culture. And he said up until this year, uh, character has been one. But he said, you know, we got to thinking. We took that one off. And he said, character gets you in the door. If you don't have good character, you're not even going to be in the door of the Gene Ray practice facility. You're not even going to be at the CFSB Center. So that's just – it was their values. Sorry, five values. He's like, character is, is given. You have to have character. And he said, you know what we added for that fifth one was joy. 
And you heard him say that so much this year. And it's so evident that this team has so much joy, and it comes from guys like DJ, like Skip. Like, it makes me so happy to see a guy like Skip who played at Eastern Illinois for two years, and then he gets that ring. He comes to Murray State, and he's one of the happiest guys, most appreciative guys on the floor. DJ is like 110% all the time. And I think, you know, we watched Tevin and KJ last year, and I know with the COVID and everything, but they had a different level to them this year. They had some injection in them. And I think it's those guys who McMahon and the coaching staff brought into the program with such a great attitude, such great joy that has propelled our stars to the next level to take us to be a 30-win team. So uh, to me, that that was really cool. Austin, you made some great points. And if I've said it once this year, whether it be here or on social media, I've said it probably 30 times talking about joy. And and if that's what a program is built on, then you're, you're, you're set up for a lot of success. I think I listened to probably the same thing you did. And you're talking about rings. And and on those championship rings, you get to put three three key words. And I know that Coach McMahon uh, definitely has earmarked joy as definitely one of those words they're going to put on those rings that will make uh, an impact and will be a lasting piece uh, of this racer program, and and that's that's what I'm always going to remember from this team is all the joy they play. When you talk, Austin, you talk about DJ Burns, and we talk about KJ Williams dancing, and that's what I'm going to remember the most about this team, and I love it. Well, guys, what a what a fun night. You know, sorry you speak of KJ dancing. He had some good dance moves. Uh, I thought the best dance moves I saw of the night were Logan Foster on the dance floor after the game. Uh, those were pretty nice. I know we all had a fun time post post game. You know, if you remember back to to last episode, we we talked about spots around Evansville. Logan brought a great suggestion. Uh, Bud's Country Country Bar and Grill, I think is what it's called. Uh, so we all so we all rockin' Country Bar and Grill, and that place was rocking. Let me tell you. My apologies, rockin' Country Bar and Grill, and uh, I, I guess I didn't know what I was expecting. I, you know, Logan, you said you said it on the podcast and. Uh, I was like, all right, this is going to be some hole in the wall. Kind of like, uh, I like how Mr. J's used to be in Murray, like, you know, shoulder to shoulder, maybe 20 people in the place kind of thing. Boy, was I surprised. I tell you what, I, I might have a new favorite place to hang out. There was live country music. It was packed. There was a ton of racer fans. Everyone was in a good mood. So fun. They had so many TVs and they kept playing the racer highlights on ESPN. That was so cool, and uh, I tell you what, guys, I, I mean, I know I'm from St. Louis, and we're moving to the Missouri Valley, and I'm excited about you guys coming here next year, but I'm going to miss Evansville just for that post-game attraction, and, uh, you know, if if we, obviously, we, we've got the year of Dr. Jackson, the year of, of Athletic Director Kevin Saul, and, and they're going to be in the President's Council for the Missouri Valley, so I know Arch Madness is a big deal, but we might have to start planting the seed to... Uh, you know, maybe get them to move the Missouri Valley Conference over to Evansville just just so we can partake in the live country music at at Bud's Rockin' Country Bar. All right, and we talk about seeds. Uh, let's talk about the racers and possible seeding. I think that's something fun we could do here. Uh, this is no preparation. We didn't even talk about this beforehand. And uh, we talk about the spread predictor. We, we've done that a few times and people love it. What about the seed predictor? I know we can maybe talk realistic. We might can talk what we think they deserve. We might talk about what they might, you know, they might actually get. Uh, I know there's been a lot thrown around there, but uh, Logan, you know, you're not going to be able to partake in Selection Sunday with us. You're traveling for business, unfortunately. Sawyer and I will be there in in person for the for the show at 4 p.m. I believe is what the athletic department's doing at the CFSB Center. So if you can make it out to that, that would be awesome. They said they're going to do a live look in on the selection show. But Logan, since you're not going to be there, you can kick off this segment. What are you thinking the racers are going to get in terms of seating from the selection committee? I've seen anywhere from a seven to a nine. I would like to think that we would be a seven seed. I'm just, I'm going to be so dejected if we get an eight or a nine. Uh, just because that second round game is so tough and the the tournament's going to be top heavy this year. You've got uh, Kentucky up there. Of course, you've got Gonzaga and, and Kansas, really, really good teams that 
honestly, it's going to be hard for any mid-major to, to break through and beat those guys. Um, if anybody's got a chance to in the mid-majors, it's us. Um, but that doesn't mean I want to play them in the second round. To be honest, I've, uh, I think I've told you guys this, but I would have rather us have lost the SEMO game and gotten like a 12 seed or something. Um, it's cool having a, a the SEMO game in the uh, regular season, that is. Um, it's cool going undefeated, but I really want this team to make it to the Sweet 16, something that our school's never done. And uh, just making it to that second weekend would be so cool. We've got such a great team to do it. And a lot of, uh, lot of hardworking players that, that just honestly deserve it. And so, um, you know, I, I, to answer your question, I think we'll be a seven. But uh, hopefully we'll get a six, sneak in there. And maybe there's some losses uh, during championship week that push us up there. But um, I don't necessarily have much faith after we – won two games in a week and dropped three spots in the polls. So, uh, yeah, that's my answer. I think you're right on the money with, you know, some teams maybe losing this week. You look at who's around us in the polls. You look at who's around us who's in the in the rankings. And they're, I mean, shoot, 95% of them are going to take a loss this week. And hopefully that goes a long way with the selection committee, with us winning so many games in a row. I know it didn't help a ton in 2015, but – I think we're in a different we're we're in a different part of college basketball right now, but uh, you know most likely Auburn and Kentucky, one of those two is going to win the SEC. So you're not going to have a team like Alabama or Arkansas sneaking up there and winning the SEC tournament and jumping three seed lines. Uh, same with the Big 12. Most likely Kansas is going to win. So you're not going to have a, a team like Texas jumping up there and and jumping two or three seed lines because they they win their conference tournament. So I guess my argument and, and what, what kind of perturbs me is is you talk about the net and the NCAA comes up with this net tool that they're supposed to – this evaluation tool they're supposed to use. Well, how can you put any legitimacy into the net tool if you don't use it? And as we look right now, the racers are hovering around a 23-24. Uh, I know I always say this isn't a math podcast, but I can figure out if you're a 24 in the net, you should be a six seed. So just go ahead, put the racers on the sixth line. Honestly, like I understand it's cool to have a selection committee and to match up NCAA tournament teams based. Coach K is going to be in the East bracket. There's no doubt about that, even though they got whooped by uh, whatever, or they're going to be in the Chicago bracket like, you know, they talked about. But line them up. We're the 23rd in the net. We're the 24th in the net. Probably higher if Memphis ends up winning this week. Chattanooga's already punched their ticket, so that's going to help us. Hopefully Auburn goes and wins the SEC tournament. That'll help us. Go ahead and chalk us up on the sixth line. Divvy the seeds out like the net tool says you should. Don't come up with an all-encompassing tool and not even listen to it. Because if we get an eight seed, fellas, what is eight times four? Again, this isn't a math podcast, but I believe that would be 32. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't believe we are... 32nd in the net. I believe we are 23rd to 24th, somewhere around in there. So my case, my case is rested, and I uh, give the bench up to Mr. Lawson. Logan, I'm with you. I think the Racers will get a seven seed, but Austin, I'm with you in believing the Racers should deserve a six seed. If you look resume for resume with the teams who are listed above us, it's honestly so frustrating and embarrassing that the selection committee were to choose one of those teams above us. Um, anyone you can take um, is going to have more quad one wins than us. We don't have an opportunity to win as many because, you know, we don't have as many in our conference. You can't hold that against us. A team that's going on and win 30 games and 20 in a row uh, is has solidified themselves as a top team in all of college basketball. In my opinion, I'm with Dickie V. I don't think any team should enter should be allowed to be in the NCAA tournament if they don't have a winning conference record. And right now, I saw this morning there were three or four teams that had a losing conference record, two of which had were three or four games below 500 in their conference that were ranked higher than the Racers. That's ridiculous. I hope that the selection committee gets it right. Um, this should hopefully this will be the year that they do get it right. Every year they come out and say. 
we chose the strength of schedule to be the the highest rated factor in how we chose this the seating versus quad one wins the next year versus sagger in the next year and you never really know so Austin, i really hope they follow your formula of listening to the net and letting that be the tool they use to assess everyone for the seating for the tournament if that's the case then maybe we will get a six or seven but i'm not going to hold my breath and uh, I have no real reason to believe they'll take care of us um, because I know the money talks. And one more thing before we wrap this up, hopefully this will help us. Uh, maybe the chair of the committee for the uh, NCAA tournament selection committee is Tom Burnett. He is the commissioner of the Southland conference. So mid to low major conference. Hopefully he has a little bit of sympathy for teams like the racers and has a little vendetta against the the power six, which I'm sure there's a lot of power six folks on that on that squad, but at least we know the chair of the committee is a mid-major, low-major uh, conference commissioner. So I think that hopefully will help us a little bit. All right, fellas, as we uh, you know start to wrap the episode up, as always, we got to send it over to Logan for his Logan's Listener of the Week. Absolutely. This week's Logan's Listener of the Week is a little unconventional, but I think you guys are going to like it. So without further ado, this week's listeners of the week are the 500 or so people uh, didn't get a, a full count. There were people coming and going, but about 500 people uh, roughly that showed up to watch our live show on Saturday. It was really cool. Uh, like I said, we've met people through this podcast that we had no clue uh, were racer fans. And we got to meet some of those people on Saturday, put names to faces. Um, you know, David, uh, that, that helped set it up, Ryan, um, just a lot of, a lot of people that have interacted with us, Mike, Gabby, um, just really thankful for them and, and for everybody showing up to support us. Yeah, really cool, Logan. Great, great choice for listeners of the week. Um, we, we had another former Logan's listener of the week, uh, Jason set right in front of Sawyer and I in the game. It was, it was pretty funny. He turned around and was like, one of you guys, Logan, we're like, no, he's way better looking than we are. And we pointed him up, pointed him up to you. And he's like, oh, I'm Jason. We're like, oh yeah, Logan's listener of the week right there. That was cool. But, um, mentioned, mentioned some of those guys, Ryan, just got to talk about him for a second, you know, reached out to us. Sawyer kind of mentioned it, reached out to us on Twitter was like, hey, guys, it, if I buy just two tickets to the game Friday night, is there a way you guys could give them out to somebody who maybe wasn't thinking about going to the game and, and stuff? So like we said earlier, we did that giveaway on on Facebook. Uh, that's one thing. We're, we're really big on Twitter, as all you guys know. But funny enough, we get like zero interaction on Facebook, which has puzzled me to this day. Uh, but we actually drove a lot of interaction with that giveaway, which so that worked out really well. And and I know the, the gentleman who won it told me, he said, uh, he said, man, I, I was thinking about going the game, but I didn't even, you know, wasn't going to buy tickets and wasn't going to drive over. And he's like, I, now that I've won these, I'm definitely going. So he funny, funny enough, he's uh, messaged me back and was like, yeah, I'm going to take my buddy. Um, anyway, see him at the game, comes up, thanks me for the tickets. He's like, ended up my my wife came and then my buddy ended up just buying two tickets and then his wife came. So Ryan, your two tickets turned into four tickets. And so just awesome to get all those racer fans in the building. So wanted to tell that story. That was, that was really cool. So uh, thanks again to everyone who came out Saturday. Unbelievable. Uh, really was. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Ryan, man, that is so cool. That's, that's the stuff that, that we'll remember for, for a long, long time. And, and that was really cool. And, you know, there was a lot of guys that, that showed up that had been been listeners. Logan, yeah, a lot of guys we've mentioned before. Seth Carter, Daniel Nesbitt, Carver and Dane were in the crowd. John Ramey, uh, a lot of it was good to always see those guys, and um, it it made it really special for us. And uh, we appreciate all the kind words of people coming up to us and uh, trying to make us feel comfortable before we went up on stage. Um, even a couple people threatened to take over the microphones from us um, may or may not have been related to us, uh, but. Yeah, that was really cool and fun, and uh, hopefully we can do that again, um, Logan Willing. Well, there's no doubt, fellas, that we love our fans, and and that's the reason we do it. You know, we're we never came up with a mission statement or a goal or anything like that, but 
Uh, we're fans ourselves. We talk racer basketball all the time, and we just wanted to get together and, and unite the fan base and put it out there and everybody can hear it. So uh, it's done exactly that, and it's grown and grown and grown to heights that we, we would not even believe. So really cool. Uh, appreciate everyone who listens. Appreciate everyone that supported us this weekend. Appreciate everyone that supported racer basketball this weekend. And we just got to keep it rolling. I'm hoping we get to do five more of these podcasts because if we do that, that means we're playing into April. So that's going to be pretty cool. But Hey, Austin, before we cut out, I just want to give a shout out to our alma mater, Murray High School, making it to the state tournament this year. Shout out to Coach Dior for his second regional tournament championship. Uh, he was coach when – we were in school and just a great guy. You know, looking at some of the players on their team, Grant Whitaker's great, uh, Trey Boggess, um, Lincoln English, uh, a lot of kids that we grew up knowing. And so really cool to see them succeed and, and get to uh, get to state. And I, I think their first game is tomorrow, which will probably be before this podcast comes out. But wish them the best and go Tigers. Logan, great job bringing that up. That's something we're we're all proud of as being Murray High Tigers along with Murray State Racers. So, you know, definitely by by the time this podcast comes out, the results will be had, but hopefully they're still playing. Um, but anyways, I think that's good for us. I think we'll wrap it up. A little shorter episode than usual. Hopefully everyone enjoys that. Even though we only had one game to really talk about, we still end up, up doing a hour-plus-long podcast, of course. You guys can can count on that, but... Uh, next week should be fun we're going to be dancing that's that's the cool part we're going to know who we play and be able to break down that a little bit uh, might be one member short as we said logan's got a uh, a business trip but we're hoping he gets to call in just for a few minutes and we can get an update on all of that but um, a lot to look forward to next week a big weekend to be had in racer nation two in a row might might kill us for it's all over with but just excited for the selection show and all that stuff so thanks again for listening As always, we appreciate every single one of you. Uh, This is a lot of fun. It's been a fun ride. Just hope we keep it going a few more weeks. With that, Sawyer, as always, in the ball. Go Racers. Go Racers. Go Racers.